So relationships can be a lot of work. Can I get an amen to that? During the shutdown, we were asked to stay with our families and to be able to stay there and be protected. And there were times of great joy and great trial in that. And even now, we aren't venturing really all that far from home either. This uh, this week, I read a story about an elderly man, and he had some serious hearing issues for a number of years. And his family asked him again and again to go to the doctor and to get it checked out. So one day he did. And he went and he got a set of hearing aids and his hearing was then 100%. He went back to the doctor a month later. And the doctor said, your hearing is perfect. I bet your family is delighted that your hearing is so good. He said, I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and I listen to their conversations. I've changed my will three times since then. (laughs) The dynamics of family relationships. It takes a lot of effort to communicate well and to get along, especially with the added stress of the pandemic for families and the uncertainty of these days. Marriages are under a lot of pressure. And children and grandchildren, they they have all of this pent-up energy that they aren't sure what to do with. And sometimes, for our older generation, sometimes that isolation can be really hard. Maybe you haven't been able to see your grandchildren or, or be able to see your friends as much as you would like. It's hard. But families are important, and families help keep us grounded. They are a source of developing roots. That's why we call it a family tree, right? We need to see where we fit in all of that family structure. It's a way that we know that we belong to a certain group of people. When we get a chance to fit into the family tree and we get a chance to see the next generations behind us. We want to build strong families in Christ. But my question for us today is this, how well do we model Christ in our families and in our closest relationships? How well do we model Christ in our families and in our closest relationships? We're in this series of messages uh, here in July talking about deep roots. Now we're in August, but we're in this series of messages that call deep roots, and we're talking about these trees, right, that need the sun and the rain to grow healthy and strong, and they have deep roots underneath them that can help them stand the the storms and the stress of life. And so we're talking about the deep roots that we too as Christians have to develop in our life so that we can stay strong no matter what happens around us. So we talked first about the deep root of identity, that we have to know who we are and where we've come from. Then we talked about the deep root of unity, that the church is at its best when we're focused together on the mission of Jesus Christ, receiving the amazing gift of God's grace and then giving that grace away to others. Last week we talked about the root of teamwork, that The church functions best when all of us are contributing according to the gifts and skills that we have been given to build up the body of Christ. And this morning, I want to look at the deep root of integrity, the deep root of integrity to talk practically about keeping relationships strong and healthy by what we say and what we do. So let's pray as we begin the message this morning. Gracious God, as we're gathered together, we turn to your word. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would train our hearts and our minds to follow after you, to live, Lord, what you modeled. And so we offer this time to you in the precious name of Christ. Amen. 
So our passage of scripture is from Ephesians uh, today, and it's a great one because it's so very practical. And the Apostle Paul was writing this letter of Ephesians to the early Christians uh, concentrated in the city of Ephesus. And he was having kind of this difficult job because it was having to bring together Jews and Gentiles, people from very different backgrounds, and helping them to learn what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And so he spends time talking about what that looks like, and that's where we're gonna be uh, this morning. He says there's a, a change that happens in your heart when you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Christ, and it impacts your behavior and what you do. So we're gonna be here in Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two this morning. I think you'll see them up there on the screen. He says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Another translation says, follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Paul is really saying here to his readers that you are a part of God's family. When you accept God's gift of grace, you become a part of God's family. And as you become a part of God's family, we are called then to walk in the way of love, to receive the love of Jesus and then to give that love away. The standard by which Christian love is shaped and energizing is the self-giving love of Christ on the cross. Christian faith is not just a set of beliefs. It's a relationship based on love that requires action, that we are called to do something. We are called to reflect God. Just like a mirror, people should be able to see Christ in us. We are called to imitate his character. Now that sounds relatively simple, but it's not easy, is it? It's not easy to do that all the time, to model Christ in everything that we do, in our families, in our closest relationships. But that's an important value to me, that I want to the best of my ability to be a person who's the same at home as I am at work, as I am at church, and as I am in every setting. To really do my best to model that in all of those places, even first thing in the morning. Now that's a real challenge, isn't it? How many of you are not morning people? How do we even be pleasant first thing in the morning? That's what he says to us. And so how do we do that? How do we develop this root of integrity in our lives? And I don't find it surprising at all that Paul, in a practical sense, says we have to start with how we talk. We have to start with how we talk. Verse 29, he says this. You'll see this one up on your screen. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Wow. That is a high calling, isn't it? And I was thinking, do I always do that? Do I always do that as a parent, as a spouse, as a pastor? Am I always thinking about how is what I'm going to say going to impact that person in front of me? Because that's what he says, right? This isn't about just us talking. This is about talking in order that it may build up those who listen that it may benefit that person that we're talking to. And that is a high calling and that is a high challenge. That we would always be thinking about that, that what I'm saying right now is how is that going to impact the person around me? 
And sometimes, honestly, we get so busy in our lives, I do too, that I just talk and talk or I want to be the next person that has something to say in this conversation. And sometimes, you know, our spouse or our children might take the brunt of our bad day. But words are important. Words are commitments, and with them, we either enable and support somebody around us or we can take them down as well. And people not only pick up what you say, but also how we say it. People not only pick up what we say, but how we say it. Tone is everything. And I was thinking about this um, one particular day because that was so evident and something I did. I was having a, you know, a bit of an argument with my husband. We were just working through something and we had different opinions. We're both firstborns and so we were, you know, just working it out. And we were talking a little bit and, you know, I was just frustrated and trying to get through what it was. And my phone started to ring and I saw that it was my good friend. And my tone with my spouse at that moment was not all that gracious, honestly. And I said, you know what, we're going to talk about this later. And I pick up my phone. She says, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm great. I'm just delightful. I'm having a wonderful day. And I thought, wow, how can I change my tone so fast from being not so gracious over here to being so gracious here? Sometimes it's easier to be gracious with those that aren't in our immediate family. And that's a challenge for us to be the same person in all of those situations. And so that's my challenge. One of my challenges for this week is to be mindful of the words that we say this week. Just to be thinking about the words that we say this week. How do we speak the language of love? And how do we speak that in a tone that the people around us can hear? Because our words have power, power to build up, to build up those in your family. Your words are so powerful, not only to each other, but also to your children and to your grandchildren. You have great power to encourage them and to strengthen them and to build them up. That's the power that we have that we get a chance to do with our words. It's the power of love. And love is never lived out in isolation. It is integrated into every relationship that we have. As we are rooted in Jesus, we grow in integrity. And integrity is this idea of being honest, of being whole, of being undivided. It means that we demonstrate consistency between our actions, our values, our methods, our principles, that there's harmony between what we say and what we think and what we do. That's really what integrity means, that we are consistent between what we say and what we think and what we do. It's a high calling. It's a privilege. It's a responsibility that we have to live out the character of Christ. And I don't do that perfectly all the time, but I do strive for it and I do work hard at that. And that's also why we as a church get a chance to help each other grow. It's another core value. We're sort of looking at our core values over this series. It's another core value that we have at Redeemer. You'll see it up on the screen. One of these core values is that growth occurs best in small groups. Small groups encourage accountability and discipleship and fellowship among believers. And that relates to a second one that we have also, is that family-based ministries are a priority. Ministry to the whole family is a priority. 
in order to grow in integrity, in order to be an imitator of Christ in all that we do, in order to live a life that, that reflects the sacrificial love of Jesus, we need others around us to challenge us and to encourage us and to strengthen us and to sharpen us. That's what friendships in the body of Christ do, is give us a chance to encourage each other and to help each other to grow so that we might reflect Christ in all that we do. And we believe that young children and students can learn these principles growing up and that it will strengthen the whole family unit as you come together to worship or to worship together online. That's why we put a lot of energy and investment into our children and our youth program here at Redeemer because it matters. Because we want people to grow in their faith no matter what age they are. So Paul says we have to start by being mindful of our words because our words are powerful and our words are important. But then we also need to think about, or we also need to be mindful about what we think about and what we do. Paul continues in verse 31. He says this. He said, as a community, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. He starts, interestingly enough, with the stuff we have to get rid of in our life. We have to get rid of some of the stuff in our heart so that we have room for the good stuff to grow. He says, get rid of bitterness. I've seen the root of bitterness take hold in families and it can be ugly and leave a lot of scars. I took a picture of our front door last month. You'll see it up there on the screen. And the flowers were blooming and it was really beautiful and I wanted to take a picture of it. But I hope you can see, and you see the big circle there, there was this great big weed that was growing right there with all that beauty. It was huge and it was ugly and nobody planted it. It just grows up there. And it was pretty strong and it looked so out of place and it brought all of the other beauty around it down. And it was this strong, it was strong and it was big and it took a great effort. I had to go out there and get these big pruning shears to get the bottom of it out because it had developed a deep root and it had happened overnight. Paul says, be careful. Don't let that root of bitterness grow up between you and someone else because it can bring down all of the other beautiful things. It can bring down all the other beauty in a family or in a relationship. He says, you gotta get that stuff rooted out. And then he says, don't let your anger go unchecked. Anger's not a bad emotion. It's just that it often leads us to do things that hurt others. Sometimes when we're angry or we're frustrated, we might, you know, go behind our computer and, Type out that, you know, email with all that stuff. Or we might pick up our phone and we might send out a text and punch out a text that we want to send to somebody. Or we might pick up the phone and talk to somebody and not be healthy words that we're telling this person about somebody else over here. And the problem with all those things is that we can't ever take those things back. Once our words are out there, whether we've typed them or texted them or said them, we can't take them back. So he says we gotta get rid of that stuff. Instead, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. He says get rid of that other stuff so that you can plant these things. Be kind and compassionate. Forgive each other just as in God, Christ God forgave you. 
Take a deep breath. Give the other person a break. Forgive. Just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. We have to keep short accounts and to resolve it, to give it up to God in prayer. We shouldn't email or or text that can always be misread and forwarded to all kinds of other people and read over and over again. But to pick up the phone and to talk in person leads to healthier communication in our families and to do the best we can to resolve it right away. This is an important principle that I try to remember. You can't control what people do, but you can control how you respond. You can't always control what other people do, right? But we can control, we're all in charge of how we respond. As followers of Christ, we are called to imitate Jesus in all that we do. And if we're honest, really, usually our frustration and anger with those who are closest around us is really about small things that in the long, big scheme of things don't really matter. That's what I'm learning in this COVID season. Life is too precious. Life is too precious. We need to keep short accounts and to get it resolved so that we can move on. And kindness and compassion, those are life-giving emotions. And forgiveness, forgiveness is not always easy. But forgiveness begins and is grounded in God's forgiveness for us. It begins and it's grounded in God's forgiveness for you and for me. That's where it starts. It doesn't ignore justice, it's allowing God to bring justice, not us. Forgiveness is a process sometimes and it doesn't always happen immediately. The nature of the offense and the maturity of the one who is forgiving sort of determine the length of that process. And like a wound, the deeper the wound, the longer it will take to heal. But forgiveness is necessary to living a life of faith and reflecting the character and nature of God. So my question for us today is this. How is your witness to others? Do they see Jesus in you? Do you stand out because of your compassion and because of your love and because of your generosity? We have a high calling, and that is to be an imitator of Jesus Christ. And it's something to strive for, and it's something that we do, and it's something that we need to practice every single day in our lives. And it begins with our speech and and using our speech intentionally to build and to encourage those around us. Our tongue has much power. We have to be careful and mindful of what we let into our lives. To be careful with what we do with, with our anger and frustration and how to take care of that in healthy ways. We're all gonna step over each other and step on each other's toes from time to time. Forgive and love. We have to attend to problems in our families promptly. Ignoring them will only allow them to grow and get worse. If we're going to dig that deep root of integrity in our own lives, it begins by being consistent in what we say and what we do. Don't let that root of bitterness grow between you and another person. Instead, get out your gardening shears and get that thing rooted out. 
Life is too short to let that stuff live on in our families. Yes, sometimes it hurts. Yes, sometimes it's painful. Yes, sometimes we don't deserve perhaps the treatment that we've endured. But carrying it, that will also weigh on you too. Are you ready to give it over to God and release it to him? Perhaps you need to begin today by making a phone call or starting a conversation. You can't control what people do, but you can control how you respond. Walk in the way of love just as Christ has loved us and given himself for us because that is where the root of integrity grows and that is where strong families endure. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for this time that we have to come together. Thank you for these words that were written by the Apostle Paul so very long ago. But Lord, they continue to speak to us in our daily living some 2,000 years later. Lord, there, for all of us, we have times, Lord, when we need to be patient with those that we love. We need to forgive. When we need to think about our words and that they might encourage the person around us, Lord. And I pray that you'd help us. Help us to be mindful of our words this week. Help us to be mindful, Lord, of our actions, our tone of voice, and the ways that we respond to others. May we truly reflect you, Lord. May we reflect your love. May we reflect your grace. And may we be particularly mindful of that this week. Thanks, God. We lift it into your hands. In the precious name of Christ, we pray. Amen.